Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. I am really excited to have a dear colleague that I've worked with several times over the past few years. I have Dr. Gay Boffman. She is a professor uh, in the Department of Comprehensive Dentistry at University of Louisville School of Dentistry. So Dr. Boffman, Gay, welcome. Glad to be here. Today, we are going to spend some time talking about critical thinking, clinical reasoning. Um, but before we jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? When did you come to U of L? That sort of thing. I'm from Western Kentucky. I'm very proud of that. I'm from Hartford, Kentucky. I was born in Madisonville. I'm a first generation college student. Uh, my dad was an underground coal miner. He was a high school dropout. Mom was, she did graduate high school. and. Uh, Again, growing up with those parents, they told me I could be anything I wanted to be and have always been so encouraging. So before, that's my beginning, mm -hmm. is back in Western Kentucky. Went to WKU, came up to the University of Louisville. I was in love. We won't go that, down that story. <laughs> but I came to the dental school as a three-year student, so I do not have an undergraduate degree. Oh, wow. Okay. Graduated dental school 1981 immediately as 25 years old went into my own practice set up my own business went to the bank got turned down the first time yeah and uh, bought an old house and remodeled and opened up uh, my dental practice from scratch which is one of the things i'm most proud of and i love uh, private practice i was had an opportunity to sell my practice my practice was not for sale I did not want to sell the practice, but I was getting a little older. <laughs> and my little brother, who's in business, said, Gay, this opportunity, it was a crazy, will never come along again. So that's kind of life before dental school. So I sold the practice. What year did you start at the dental school? Oh, gosh. It was the year Elvis died, uh, <laughs> 1970. I, did, I was so busy, though. I didn't know Elvis died. I was that busy as a dental school freshman. I think in 1977. Oh, no. When did you start as faculty? Oh, faculty. Oh, well, not the year that Elvis died. Okay. How many no. years were you in private practice? And then when I was did in private transition? practice from 1981 to 2007. 2007 to 2009, I did both. And then okay. 2009, I became uh, full-time faculty. 13 years you've been on the faculty. Yeah, well, 15, actually, if you count. Well, that's right. You were doing a dual for right, two years. Yeah. So 15 years yeah. on faculty. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, so, I, again, I came to the dental school because I just wanted something to do. Right, right. Okay. And when I came, I actually got, I'm kind of digressing from critical thinking here, but I got a little sad. I was used to running my own practice. Right. I was the queen. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, they'd, I'd have an idea, and they'd say, there's a committee. Oh. So I actually kind of was a little sad. But then I made a huge discovery. They're students. Yeah. And I love the students. And ever since then, I have focused on the students. I discovered something about myself. I was, again, I was chemistry, physics, math. That's, that's my background. And when I came to the school, 
I discovered teaching, and I wanted to learn as much as I could. That's where the Delphi Center came into play. And I discovered I had a passion for teaching, and I wanted to learn and to understand how people learn, which is something I hope I carry to my students. I am still, I still love it. I mean, I I still love dentistry. Well, you know, the first time I've met you, we were at Delphi, and and. You know, we were introduced to each other through Marie Brown, and uh, I could almost immediately, you know, get that that sensation, if you will, of how much you truly, truly enjoyed teaching and how eager you were to learn as much as humanly possible about the education process. Yeah. Well, what I have come to learn is that you have a, an expertise, especially in the dental school and a lot on the health science campus, in the wonderful world of critical thinking. And I, and this is what the, the majority of our show today is going to be discussing. Let's start out with a quick definition for everyone, because everybody might have a different idea of what do they think critical thinking is. So what is your definition for critical thinking? My- personal definition it was kind of taken from others it's thinking about your thinking while you're trying to think better while you're making your thinking better that's what i that's the gabe offman sort of taken from others i love that that idea of you know while you're thinking about something but you're thinking about your thinking to improve it so how did your interest in critical thinking come about boredom oh yeah that's not what you probably thought when I came to the dental school, remember, I'm trying to find my way. So when I came to the dental school, I was bored. Yeah. I'm like, good gosh, I, was, I would go audit classes. I do all kinds <laughs> of stuff. And so I would always read UofL today. Okay. And they had the oh, ideas to action. Yep. So I signed up for that, and I went. I didn't even know what any of that hardly was. But I went to ideas to action, and uh, I went in, and Gerald Nosage was mm-hmm lecturing and I thought this stuff is hard and it made my head hurt and I I didn't get it at all right but I guess I was still bored the next year so I signed up again right and then what happened was for some reason I was like the only I sort of knew some one person the first day then I knew nobody the second day and I'd been watching this big table of men it was all guys and they seemed to be getting it so I don't know what possessed me but I walked over to the big table and I said would you mind, may I sit at your table? Right. And they said, sure. I did not know they were all philosophers. Oh, if, I, no. if I'd known that, I would have been run, I'd run away. So that was my first, but they kind of took me under their wing. And right. they really, I started to kind of get it. And I think there's a word, those, I think it's Russian, those little dolls, you have a little thing. The and nesting dolls. Yeah, sure. The nesting. And to me, that's what critical thinking has felt like because every time I think I get it, it's like I suddenly am around those other wonderful people and it just seems like I just keep growing and learning more because when I think I've got critical thinking I suddenly go I meet someone it's like I don't have it at all so again going out to that uh the critical thinking the institute Institute. out in in California so that table but the table of philosophers and again if I'd known they were philosophers I would have been Run running. away. Because that's just not something I was accustomed to was philosophers. Right. And so you've just mentioned the Critical Thinking uh, Institute and so the, the Paul and Elder framework, if you will. So maybe you could kind of talk just a little bit about Paul and Elder and, and their framework. Just kind of quick little overview. Well, you have the elements, which Dr. Paul developed. And the framework in the words that he uses, like, 
purpose, point of view. They're very common words. But you can use it in dentistry, mm -hmm. in chemistry, in music. You can use it everywhere. Right. So the framework is very practical. And again, this was before me, but I believe it was the QEP yes. a few years ago. In fact, Dr. Ross, I think, was maybe probably Dr. Payette, too. They were looking for that framework. And when they discovered it, because it can fit anywhere. And the right. word, you don't have to have a special super vocabulary. You, it's just, again, what's the purpose? And just thinking about the, the terminology, you're, you're absolutely right. Because if you can frame the conversation, whether you're talking with a chemistry student or a dental student or a nursing student, so what's the purpose of what we're trying to do here, right? So, so what assumptions do you have before we go start this procedure? So let's kind of turn the corner, if we will, and think about what's going on in, in clinical learning environment, right? So we've got all kinds of clinical learners around here on the health science campus. So how do we apply critical thinking in the clinical learning environment? For me, I explicitly use the elements and the standards. Can I read those out? Yeah, Let's absolutely. Show the audience on that. It, it, the elements here are purposes, questions, points of view, information, inferences, concepts, implications, and assumptions. There are eight of them. And, and then, the, of course, the standards are your filters that you apply. Like, the, is it, is your, are you clear on the, I'm sorry, clarity, are you clear on the information? Right. And point of view is one of the, one of the other ones. I mean, I, I use them all, but I talk to the students a lot. And again, you talk about patient-centered care. What's the point of view of the patient? Right. Not your point of view, but what's the point of view of that patient? Have mm -hmm. you taken that into consideration? the patient's point of view. Because that's also, I don't think we're that different from medicine, but it's not just, especially anymore, it's not just me telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that. You have to know what are the patient's wants and needs. And then of course you've got the evidence-based dentistry, which again is really critical, again, is critical thinking also. And it's and of course you're uh, putting all those pieces together. So that the audience can sort of hear what does it look like in the practice of standing next to a dental student who's working on a patient? What is that conversation like? What do you tell them about why it's important? One of the kind of talking about clinic, but I also talk about their life after dental school. Okay. Because again, sometimes, certainly, and they know when they work with me, because sometimes students just, what's the answer? Ah. What, just, well, tell me the answer. Well, first of all, I make them, in fact, that's one of the ways you teach critical thinking is mm -hmm. to give them time to, to wonder process, around, yep. yeah, to process, to wonder around, maybe even make, not with the patient, right. but make, some, make mistakes. some mistakes. You can't, again, I practiced dentistry almost 30 years. You cannot humanly possibly teach every scenario. You cannot. And again, I tell them, I said, you're out there and it's just you and your patient. You don't have, I mean, you may go to study clothes, but you're sitting here with a patient. You have to be able, which is what critical thinking is, taking the information that you have and putting it together in new ways. Mm -hmm. Because I cannot, I don't care how long you're in dental school, you will see new things. Dental school, we give the students a tool belt. And I give you these tools, and they're good tools, they're solid tools. So your job is to learn how to use these tools. 
The next step is you need to learn how to use the tools in new ways. Yep. And then I talk about after dental school. Now you're out there making money and you can go buy really cool tools, these nice fancy continuing education. And so you learn how to l use these shiny new, really, really cool tools, but then you have to learn how to use them in new ways. It's called lifelong learning. Yep. So that's just the way and I tell right. the students, I said, I give you a tool belt. That's right. And so you, but you, you have to be able to think. You have to be able to create in your own mind and to sort through what's out there. Well, I, I love that illustration of the tool belt. Yeah. And, and you've equipped them mm -hmm. with some skills in the mechanical yeah. capability to do things. But that's not the same as being able to come into a new situation and take the limited set of tools you have and say, what's the best I can do yeah. in this new situation? Mm -hmm. And real learning involves the ability to use the information tools right. in a whole new situation. Exactly. So like when COVID showed up two and a half years ago, people knew a lot about coronaviruses, but they were seen as these benign colds. Mm -hmm. But we knew how they were structured. We knew their major proteins. We knew something about their genetics. We knew something about respiratory viral vaccines and how they get made and what has worked and what has not worked in the past. And so a lot of very smart people had to come together in a very short period of mm -hmm. time. And literally within nine months, yeah. we had a couple of mRNA vaccines and we never had any before, but there'd been research on mRNA vaccines for a long time. And um, they were able to say, what if, and then apply mRNA vaccine into a world that's never been applied to and take this new crazy coronavirus and come up with some very effective tools mm -hmm. to to prevent people from getting really sick and dying. And I, I think for me, that's the prototypical example that of is, applying yeah, information true. and tools yeah. in a whole new situation that yeah. nobody's seen before. No, because you had the, some tools. You had them there, they were all kind of on the shelf yeah. and you knew about them yeah. and you'd use them for some other things, but boy, to take them and put them in a package that made it effective in a very fast timeline. And so what you're trying to do for your dental students, everybody at the Health Science Center is trying to do, the nursing school is trying to do that. So bedside nurses critically mm -hmm. think and know when do you call for help and what's expected or not expected or what am I looking for proactively in this patient? And certainly medical school, same issue, school public health, I suspect this the same issues. And so critical thinking is a common denominator skill. It's a meta skill, maybe. It, that's exactly for, what For all people who have higher education responsibility to be able to take what you learned and Make it work somewhere else where you didn't yeah. learn it. In a brand new way. That's right. So it, it's it's foundational. No matter what content you learn, if you don't have critical thinking, you don't have much. You just have tools. I've never been in a private practice yeah. setting. I've been in academics for the whole time. And in the practice of infectious disease, we get called in for the complicated and difficult stories. We rarely deal with easy stuff. and And so there's a team of us. And we have a weekly case conference where all the cases get laid out and each individual faculty member who is involved will present their the case and then it gets, it gets kicked around uh, by three or four or five or seven or eight other people, depending on who's there. And inevitably, the decision that comes out of that group is better than any one of us individually could have thought through it. And so... Um, I, I'm just not familiar of, 
I'm by myself. I can't talk to anybody else. Yeah. Critical thinking. Because even if, you know, Thursday yeah. and the conference is until next Wednesday, I have three people I could call right now. Step out of the patient's room, get on the phone and say, look, here's what I got. Here's what, what I'm thinking. Th yeah. What do you think? And help me. What, what am I missing as I think about this? And, and that's an environment that ultimately the goal is the patient gets the best care, the most up-to-date care, uh, especially with this two and a half years where COVID yeah. management, prevention, treatment, vaccines, it literally was changing by the week. And, and we had people who really kept up. And so I would call them and say, okay, what is it this week that we're doing yeah. when this situation comes up? So it must be hard to do that as an individual. It is, because when you're in your private practice, I'm going from room to room. Right. I've got a hygienist that's giving me, you know, are you, I'm ready. Yeah. Maybe yeah. in the Kentucky we had expanded duties who are also doing restorations. So you've got, you know, a bunch of, I mean, it, you're in the moment. And yes. it's, it's, it's not like. Uh, I don't I'm have gonna, a half hour to go sit I don't think have about a half, it. No, so yeah. you're having to think on your feet, which again is critical thinking, is right. being able to think on your in the moment in the in moment. real time in real time yeah, because like it's i not said a theoretical cases because i can't i can't go sit in my office for 30 minutes and then i've got two other patients over here and these two hygienists again they're Wait. like let's go let's go <laughs> i've got another patient that's right so you can't which again that's when i've loved being in the academic world because you you that conversation and you have time to, yeah. to come together and to do those together. kind of things. It's so, so, it's, it's, it's so rich. That's great. So in dentistry, I, I suspect many of your students go on to be in private practice, yes. either in a specialty area or as general dentist. Whereas in medical school, most end up in specialty areas, yeah. but but they might be in private practice or they might be in academics. And and so, yet critical thinking is important for, for all of them. Um, critical thinking in nursing, um, wow. Uh, it, it, it's not something I would have thought about before, but yes, they are literally the only people minute to minute at the right. bedside, especially right. in critically ill patients where things happen very quickly. They're the eyes and ears of the system. They are. And, and they got to know when to push the button and say, I need, there's something wrong here, something different, something unexpected. Uh, we need three other people in the room now. Yeah, because you don't have time to go have a conference. <laughs> you don't have time there to have a conference <laughs> no, either. No, no, you don't. And, and so it's, it's, I think the message is it's for everyone, oh, yes. certainly on the health sciences campus, it's yes. for everyone. Yes. The time urgency might be different for the dentist in private practice versus at the dental school, for the nurse at the bedside versus a nursing faculty member who's working through some cases, or public health faculty yeah. member who have to deal with critical thinking, and it might be on a, on a slower timeline, right. although lately that's, it's not that slow. <laughs> and, and so the bottom line is it's important for everyone. Okay, at the end of a faculty feed, we always ask all our guests for a challenge. So what would you challenge uh, folks to do after listening to this? Anybody that knows me knows I have a huge fascination with space. And one of my very favorite places to go is the U.S. Space and Rocket Museum, the center yeah. in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, okay. I went to space camp there. Oh, I love that place. I mean, we're members. I mean, yeah. I really love that place. And so now they have docents. Yes. And these guys, if you, have you met any of these guys? Oh my gosh. Again, I'm a space nerd. So they have these docents and they are, are the most fascinating people. And I'm gonna talk about it, so I wanna make sure I say his name, Lowell Zoller. Lowell worked on, he knew the Mercury astronauts. He worked on Apollo. 
all of these things. And he and I were having a conversation. And he said, we had the pieces. We had to recreate. He talked about yes. Kennedy and the enthusiasm and bringing all these people together. And he said, we were doing all this thinking. He said, we were critically thinking. And he said, what worries me right now is I'm not sure that our students, our younger people, know how to think. And it worried him. And so what I said to him, and this will be my challenge, I said, I will do everything I can as a professor at the University of Louisville School of Dentistry to teach the skill to encourage, nurture, critical thinking skills. And that would be, a, I would be, if everyone, whoever's listening, wherever they are, if they would take that time, that moment, to teach the skill, to nurture that skill. If we all did that, again, maybe I'm a little dramatic here, but I think the world would be a better place. So I have promised Lowell Zoller that I will do my part, and I hope that others will do their part. Wow, Gay, that is just <laughs> so, beautiful. Space and rocket, yes. Yes, I love it. I this love has it. been fantastic. We are so thrilled you were able to join us today, and thank you so much for being here. It's been fun. Join us next week on Faculty Feed when two professors from the College of Business introduce us to how we should be looking at a learner-focused online educational environment and the experiment they did as part of our uh, Leadership and Innovation and Academic Matters program. The lessons they have for us are generalizable. Everybody is going to learn something from this. Join us next week. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more, and come hungry.